Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another edition of Adventures in Careerland. I'm Adriano Magnifico. I'm your host for the podcast. I'm the career development consultant in the Louis Riel School Division. I am housed in the Louis Riel Arts and Technology Center. That's a center with 13 programs that help students apply their skills and develop great skills for life beyond high school. The programs include things like plumbing, auto mechanics, childcare, electrical work, and the broadcast media program. So we usually broadcast from the broadcast media program, but it's COVID time, so we're broadcasting from our own venues and we're sharing with each other via the internet. It's a new thing called the internet. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, it's, it's a really neat thing. So we're expecting a great show. I think we got a doozy, a doozy of a show this time. It's really going to be fun. Uh, and I'm, I am so privileged and always, always relieved to have two student producers who are in this broadcast media program, one of those 13 programs, which is a gem in this building, and that is Zoe Kruzik. Zoe, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. How's COVID treating you today? Well, I just got out of quarantine, so that's good. Oh, you're out of quarantine. Oh, that's good. You were in quarantine for a while. Yeah, we, we have all of our neighbors and friends are all in these different COVID environments and trying to figure out how to get on with their lives. So it, it, has your life changed because you're out of quarantine? You were at home the whole time anyway. Yeah, I would have. Well, other than not being able to go to my dad's on Monday, um, oh, good. it's been fine. Hey, Akira. Akira Sakaki is our other student producer. Akira, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How is COVID treating you today? Uh, it's a bit of the same. I'm not too sure. I think I've just kind of started to become sensitized to it. So it's kind of becoming a part of my normal life. I guess kind of desensitized to it, right? A little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. And, but. And, and, but we still have to be ever vigilant. I, I just saw something in the U.S. today. Many Americans are throwing their face masks aside, right? I just saw in New York, I was watching uh, one of the New York news shows, and uh, they're seeing friends and family. They're out eating again. Life has returned to a normal. I saw in the U.S., I think in New York, there were no deaths for the first time in a long time on a day. So uh, they're getting back to normal. It concerns me in Canada and Winnipeg that we're not really getting back to normal. And I just looked at a Canadian Government of Canada site as of June 1st. You can click on it. It's a really nice little site if you want to check out, you know, current situations of COVID in Canada. And you click on a province and you see a little graph about where everybody is. Oh, my gosh. All of our numbers are still trending upward in terms of COVID and people with COVID. So it drives me nuts that the U.S. is having all these hockey games with 17,000 people in the stands. And I think like 80 percent of their people, all their adults are have been vaccinated. I mean, they're creating that herd immunity we talk about. So do you have any concerns, you too, about covid in Manitoba, when you see these these other North American statistics, one hundred percent. Like uh, the other day, uh, when we got our last um, press conference that I watched, at least that was uh, announcing if we were coming back this week for school. That same day, there was like a no mask rally going on in the Forks, and uh, I'm just I'm kind of blown away that there's these super high numbers in our province, and that there's still people trying to kind of 
fight against the provincial regulations. So it, it's kind of scary. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. It is a little odd, isn't it, that people think this doesn't exist or it's not happening when all around us we see our ICUs just jammed with people who are pretty sick. What do you think, uh, Zoe? So I'm not really like scared of COVID. I'm more just mad at the people that aren't following the rules and that are making this so much harder for us to get back to normal life. Yes, I, that, that, those are great points. Both of you feel that way, and that's all legit, and I, I think you have a right to feel that way. I don't know why, how we're going to get out of this unless we all start working together and collaborating on this together. So, interesting stuff. And Some other stuff I was reading this morning are about um, career development. And, of course, our whole podcast is about students, student stories, what kind of decisions do you make, what matters to you, what's important to you, who are the important people in your life as you decided on your pathways and your career pathways. So this podcast is always a lot of fun. It's always eye-opening. And we, we go wherever the conversation takes us. But I saw an interesting stat that said, you know, over half of students from Education Week, at, over half of students don't feel ready to enter or to leave high school, to enter the workforce or, or, or to get on with their lives. What do you think about that one? Yeah, um, honestly, I, I agree. I don't think you're ever really ready to kind of move into the real world. Being at ATC, though, kind of has helped me with that a little bit, though, because if I were to compare it to my experience at high school, I, I honestly, I feel like the program is as close as possible to a real life job. Just the way that there's always like kind of like your boss, which is our teacher calling you to make sure you're you're on time with your deadlines and all that. It feels like a real life job. So I think it's actually kind of prepared me pretty well for what the workforce is going to be like. Hey, that's an astute thought. What do you think, Zoe? Do you think kids are not getting ready for high school and it's legit? I think it's more because during in regular high school, we aren't really taught what's going to happen after high school. Like they're just cramming us with all this other knowledge that we don't know what we're going to use, but they're not showing us how to like pay our bills or like how <laughs> to do all that financial stuff. So I think that's the most like the thing that makes us feel less ready because they don't teach us that. We have to figure it out on our own most of the time. Well, I'm glad you asked about paying your bills because our guest today is a financial wizard. I have to say that. And we're super happy to have a really, a really fascinating guest with a fascinating story. This is Jamie Wong, and she's a graduate from Collège Jean Sauvé from 2013. And she's had an interesting career path, and she is now a teacher candidate in the Applied Business Management Program at the Arts and Tech Center. And that's where I met her. So, Jamie, we welcome you to this podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're super glad you're here. So, Jamie, tell me why you want to be a teacher. You're studying to be a teacher here. I am. It's a long story. I wanted to become a teacher after I came home for a bit, and I just really realized what I what was I doing with my life and where did I want to go? Uh, right out of high school, I went to the Asper School of Business and I majored in actuarial math and finance. I did a few internships there, a few in Winnipeg, one in Toronto. And I think by the time I graduated, it just, I wasn't sure if it was everything I wanted to be. Wasn't sure if it was everything I wanted to do with my life. Um, I've always been very very involved in the sports world and I found that the the career of finance um, was very time consuming a lot of 
hours put into a day is meant for your job and and that's and that's a whole other conversation of how yes. the work industry yes. has has changed um it's a new who, who decided that we work 14 hours a day right yeah well i i find that super interesting because when you're in high school you left and i'm sure your parents were super happy when you said actuary that's the heavy math that's the math that you got to really be good at math so you're 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 really good at math aren't you <laughs> well <laughs> i don't know if i would say that but um i do love math i love okay. love you love, love it but it's okay to say i'm pretty good at math <laughs> to be an actuary i know people who have gone through that and found it really too challenging and had to kind of change their path a bit so you got through it all and you got through it did you enjoy like when you were in when you were in high school think about this you were sitting in grade 11 or 12 and you decide, I think I want to do Asper. What made you decide in high school that you wanted to do Asper? And were there enough, were there enough uh, mechanisms in place for you to make a, a solid decision? How did you come to that decision? Um, so actually, crazy story. Uh, I, my mom is an accountant. My dad worked in IT. So they worked in these businesses corporate world that uh, I so I felt very acquainted and knew about it enough um, I also really loved math and I considered oh finance might be fun and I was talking to actually my librarian at CJS and I was like oh I'm thinking about Asper I'm not sold on any certain major yet I don't really know what I want to do and she was like well you're really good at math you should be an actuary and at this time, I had no idea what an actuary was, but she told me they they do a lot of math. And so I started researching it and I was like, you know what? I still don't really understand what they do at this point, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to go to Asper, take some courses and see how I like it. Well, it's funny. I love that the librarian told you that. Like, yeah. <laughs> did you wonder why? Like, think about that. During your math class, did you never talk about what an actuary was and how this was your math could actually lead to this possibility if you wished? No, we never we never talked about it. Um, the most I knew about a career that was heavy in math was a mathematician. And I was like, ah, that's, I don't think that's me. Well, that's obvious, right? I'm going to take science. <laughs> right. But I'm going to be it. a science commission or I'm, I'm going to take phys ed. I'm going to be a phys ed commission. Like those are, yeah, I'm kidding, but those are those are obvious, right? Mm -hmm. And actuaries are pretty specific brand of math, pretty mm -hmm. challenging. And I find it really interesting that the librarian put that, tapped you on the shoulder and said, have you ever thought about this? So when you heard actuary, did you go look it up? Were you on your own? Did you talk to your parents? What did you do? I looked it up at the time. Again, when you, when you get into Asper, I was direct entry into Asper. When you get there, you don't need to know your major right away. And so that yeah. gave me a lot of freedom to say, Hey, I think I'm interested in actuarial math. I'm kind of interested in finance, but now I have the time to explore some of these courses, these beginning courses to see where, where I might land and what, what I really truly enjoy. So at the time I didn't know 100% I was going to pursue actuarial math. Even my parents didn't really know that was hundred percent what I wanted to pursue. It was just something that I would be interested in and that I was going to try when I got to Asper. So after that first year and you, mm -hmm. and you made that call, you mm -hmm. must have enjoyed it. You must have thought, I don't mind this at all. I do really love it because I, I love the work. I've always been somebody who, who's loved the grind almost. Like even yes. as an athlete, yes. I love training. Um, and I do. And, I, it's not, and honestly, it's not the reason why I left business. Um, 
I've always loved the work. I love I love analyzing companies. I love doing the hard math. I love crunching numbers. Like I genuinely loved doing that. Well, that's awesome. So Zoe, she can have a quick conversation with you about what to do with your money later. I suspect. So hey, <laughs> yeah, in we'll good talk, shape. Zoe. <laughs> we'll talk, Zoe. That's right. <laughs> I, I should talk to you. It's coming anyway. Uh, but I, I just find this fascinating because there's a difference. And then when you go to school, you're taking it and you're enjoying it. Because mm-hmm. school is so different than a workplace. School yep. is so much fun, isn't it? Like you're doing this stuff, you're in student teams sometime, you're presenting information, you're analyzing, you're dissecting, you're diagnosing, you're doing case studies. How much fun was that? I truly wish I did more case competitions, case studies when I was in university. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it until, honestly, my last semester in university, I was in the... Um, capstone finance class yes, and this class yes. is purely purely case studies case and you're studies, presenting yes. your it's the almost like imitate a consulting kind of feel where um, you work in a team you present to this to these people your classmates who are going to poke holes at your idea um, you know ask you the tough questions after your presentation and see if you truly understand what you've done and I wish I had known how much I loved case comps way before that last semester of university. Well, you, you would have loved, and what I'd like to start at, at Lurie-El is, uh, with some colleagues in the division, we've already talked about it, a debating competition, you would have been you would have been a gamer in that if you could have been <laughs> debating. Because the whole idea of math and doing, you know, thinking about your ROI or, or thinking about a reconciliation of, a, of, of some kind of sheet that you've decided on or worked on, those kinds of things are all about debating. They're all about what works and what doesn't work and what do these numbers mean and why do you think they mean that and and what numbers do we need? Or what I, I used to I used to own some hotels with this consortium. We used to look at the sheets all the time. I was amazed at the guys or the people on the team who could look at the numbers and say, here's the problem. They were so gifted about what numbers mean and how they impact the larger everything from your equity statement to your pro forma state, everything we got to, we have to, we have to fix this stuff up. I thought it was so amazing. And I just don't know what the heck I just said. So don't look at me like you have three heads there. Okay. Anyway. No, I actually, I do love what you said there. Um, I think that that's one of the reasons why I chose teaching after some thought um, was one was exactly that. The fact that I feel like when I grew up through this education system, um, we were so, worried about right and wrong answers in math and and yes. i want to change personally i want to change that i want to change the perception well, I of math. It. i want to change the stigma of math i think it's so important that the skills that you learn through math is not am i smart enough to do math or not it's can i problem solve can i think analytically can i critically think and say hey is this procedure the right way to get to the answer that i think is like the most important thing that need to do more of well it's funny like you're spot on because i wasn't a great mathematician very average in math i had to memorize how to do things right like i'd i'd look at a question and go okay if i change the variable and i memorize how to do this question i can do it that's the way i did math so i never really Mm -hmm. got it like you probably get it and can reason more with it i have so much admiration for those people who can see the world in numbers along with and i'm a person who sees it more conceptually so that's that was always my strength. But I, I was always amazed 
how these people could look at numbers and say, that's not what the situation is. And they problem solved. I like what you said. They problem solved with numbers, with sub variables all over the place to see what other possibilities existed. Like fascinating stuff. So you love the math. You're doing it. You go through Asper. You come out of Asper. And you go to Toronto. I love that you went to Toronto. This is great. So you are doing the dream of every kid. Not only have you done a great school, and I'm assuming you're getting good marks at university. Is that fair to say? You're doing yeah. okay. I mean, yeah, doing all okay. right. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're doing okay. You don't want to brag. I like that. Humble person. And I, and then I, I think, okay, it's all done because nothing matches that. I'd love to go back to my, my university days. You know, nothing matches that time. I'm being so energetic, so in charge of things, working on such cool projects. And then you go get a job, right? And you're applying for jobs. And what was your first job out of Asper? So the Toronto actually was an internship that I did during my university career there. Um, During my last year of university, I got a job with what was formerly Great West Life. It was a full-time job as an actuary. but during that last year, this is kind of where things started to change for me. Um, again, like I said, I loved doing the work. I loved business. But the passion that I have outside of my career just really didn't align with a life in the corporate world. As, as I was going through business, and I think you, what university does, it really opens your eyes. You meet new people. You hear new stories. Um, you learn so I mean, I don't know if this is going to be for everyone's story, but for me specifically, I think I saw so much more of the world and I realized I was very passionate about um, income inequality. And so for me to continue into this corporate world, I just couldn't find a place, a good balance where I would be happy and have the time to focus on both, make it as an actuary, um, but also do something in terms of this income inequality that I see and that I've, I've become so passionate about. And so as I, so I had this job, but as in my last semester, as I'm really saying to myself, Jamie, is this what you want to do? Um, on a whim, I auditioned for Disney on Ice. Disney on Ice, come on. Yeah. Disney on Ice. Um, now that's because in your extracurriculars as a young kid, mom and dad put you in figure skating, right? Yeah, so I did figure skating for about long, 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. So how, what level did you get to at figure skating? Um, I was competing, like, at junior. At space. I don't know if that means anything to anyone. But uh, um, it was like I was competing Team Manitoba nationally for my the province. Well, that's cool. Um, so so you were pretty good. Competitive. Yeah, so you were competitive and you're good. And you like that competitive. You like doing the competitions, don't you? You like the edge. You like trying to get ahead. You like figuring out how do I get better? How do I move past this person or beyond this person? What Did you ever look at your competitors too and say, how did they do that jump? Oh my gosh, I have to go work on that. Did you, did, did you think that way too? I did, but I think for me, it was more of, I love to push my own limits. I, yes. I've always loved to, um, it's crazy because I think, had you asked me a few years ago, I would have said, I don't like change. I don't like being put in uncomfortable situations almost. But I think I act now look really thinking about it. I think I really did enjoy being in an uncomfortable situations where it pushes you, tests your limits. I, I love I love putting myself in that space. Oh, that's awesome. So you come to figure skating. 
You're sitting Mm -hmm. at this crossroads in your life thinking, I've gone through all this education. What were your parents thinking when you said, Mom and Dad, I want to go join the circus? Um, I honestly prepared a whole nice dinner, (laughs) said, let's, let's, let's talk. Um, and they, they weren't opposed to it. Um, but I guess they were also concerned, like what, you know, obviously as parents and both of them were, are immigrants to Canada, they want something that's sustainable for their kids. They want a career. They want a secure job and a career in a, in a traditional profession like an accounting yeah. which are all good i'm not dissing any of that stuff they they're just all changing right even your parents would say the way they did accounting 20 years ago is probably very different than the way they're doing some of it now and they're probably being more creative creative thinkers for their teams right they're not just number crunchers i i would suspect even it it's crazy right in terms of how it's exponentially changes so they get that but i'm telling you parents want you guys to be secure happy Everything goes right. So when you disrupted the, when you kind of dumped the apple cart there, when you changed it and said, I want to join Disney on Ice, they supported you, which is awesome. So Mm -hmm. how long did you do that? Um, So I did it. I was on the road for about seven months and then COVID hit. So I was only on the road on touring with Disney on Ice uh, for seven months before COVID sent us all home. All the shows got canceled. Um, and here I am. What places sitting... did you go to? What places did you go to on your touring so, of Disney? So I Because everybody traveled... loves Disney, right? When Disney yeah. comes. Yeah, it's kids everywhere. Kids want to come to Disney. Parents take them to Disney. Were the places packed? Were they, where were you going? So I mostly did Midwest of the States and um, a little bit more of the East Coast of the States. So places like I was, we went to Florida for training. I went to places in Texas and New Jersey, New York, like three, three times we were in that area. I went to Toronto, went to Montreal. We did a lot of locations in Wisconsin, in Illinois. But Disney on Ice goes everywhere. They, they go overseas. You could do European tours. You could do Asian tours. That's so cool. Hey, and I'm curious about Disney on Ice. So you hear about this. And this is just me being an idiot. But is there some job profile on Indeed that says we're looking for a skater for Disney on Ice? Or did you learn about that through your network of of, of figure skating, right? How, how did yeah. you find this job? Or who alerted you to this job? Well, network for sure. But I've always known. When I, when I decided to retire from skating after grade 12, I always knew that that was an option for me, that that was something I could audition for. Um, just in our, oh. in our skating community, we know that. But where do you um, come? Does Disney come to Winnipeg and say we're looking for skaters, or how do you do this, or do you have to go? You send, even so know there's like there? a, there's one talent manager, and okay. you send your video to um, to them. Okay. But yeah, I've always known that this was an opportunity for me. But when I was retiring from skating, I knew I still wanted to. I knew I wanted to go into school. I've I've always been. I've always enjoyed school as well and academics, so I knew I wasn't going to put my life on hold and not go to university right away. I knew that my time was done with figure skating, but I wanted to continue playing sports. See, that's so cool how you found that because I always speak about that too in this podcast about who do you know and what's your network and how hard have you worked at something to build that support group of people who value your skills and who see possibilities in you. 
right? Like people try a lot of things and do odd jobs, but you worked at a hard, you worked hard for a long time to become a skater. And I think you have to be a pretty decent skater to be a Disney on ice skater. Like what outfits were you wearing? Were you the little mermaid? What were you? <laughs> I was um, the first understudy for Moana. Oh my gosh. That's spectacular. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get on? <laughs> I loved you ever? Did you yeah, ever get yeah. on as her? Oh my gosh. Oh, so yeah, what, were many kids, times. What, what were kids like when you were on the ice doing that? How did you feel? I remember the very first time I went out to be Moana and one of my, one of my fellow skaters had said to me, just enjoy the moment and soak it up. And I, that was honestly the best advice. I was out there and you know, I just turned off everything. I've skated my whole life. I know how to skate. I just shut it all off and I just listen to the audience and you just hear them singing the songs. They're belting it out. They're screaming Moana, Moana. And it's, it's such a surreal feeling. Um, yeah, it's such a good, fun feeling. Like I, I, I do truly miss it. Oh my God. Well, are you done with figure skating? Would you ever go back to any of that? Or you think, or, or what do you do even now on the side? When you go to the rink, do you put your skates on and do a little twirl or do a, what, what would you call a big one? A quad? I'm kidding. I don't know what that oh. is. Okay. Some of those things. Oh, I like still, yeah. Do... I'll still go to the rink and I'll still spin and jump and, and skate and choreograph. I, I love to choreograph um, and just move my body. I just, I love that. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you're done with Disney on ice. You're done with COVID. Then you come back here and you're forced mm-hmm. to do that. How long would you have been there? Do you think you would have been there for a couple of years or you would have in your brain, you said, I'm doing this for a year and then I'm getting back on with my gig. The plan was to do it for a few years. I had already signed for another year at that time. And then when COVID hit, obviously everything was canceled and I came home and I was like, I really don't know what's next right now. What um, if they call you back right now? I would really have to consider, I have a lot going on right now that, for example, now I'm in teacher education, yes. so it would be very difficult to leave at this point. So I'd really have to consider how much I'm willing to give up what I'm yes. working on right yes. now at home. Yes. Um, yes. But at the time, I was still hoping they would call when COVID first hit. I was hoping we'd have, I was supposed to go to South America that summer. I was hoping that tours would pick back up. But that clearly was not the case. COVID hit us pretty hard. But yeah, it was, I'm at home and I'm figuring out what's next for me. I had a couple options. I said, at this time, I was pretty sure I wanted to go into finance. Uh, I loved, like I said, I loved that last class that I had um, in university where we just did case studies and I just really enjoyed that work. And I said, you know, I could go do that. Um, But again, something wasn't sitting right with me. Again, yes. if I was so passionate about income inequality, it just felt like a career in in investment banking, which is where I kind of was leaning towards going. It just, they didn't line up. Um, and I really thought about it. I coached for so many years. I tutor on the side. And I was like, you know what, maybe teaching is what I want to do. It would give me, again, the time to work with kids. I love working with kids. Um, but it also gave me the opportunity to give back to my community and and feel like I was meeting my values and putting my life's work towards things that I'm passionate about. You know what? That's powerful because you're in a process that 
I try to put, we, we do something called the Lean Career Design Canvas here. And I'll, I'll, I think Mr. Mr. Kuypers has shared that with you at, at some point. And part of that is, that whole thing is, who am I? And you've done the who am I experientially, and you sat, you must have sat sometimes alone just thinking, because this is a lonely thing. Like trying to figure out who you are is a lonely process in some ways. As much as there's support and everyone's is in your corner, it's inward. It's something you have mm -hmm. to figure out inward. So I, I love that the coaching and the tutoring alerted you to other possibilities. And that's a, there's such an importance for me of you, of you and anyone trying different things and making sure you step outside your comfort zones and just try things that you don't even know are going to turn out in any mm -hmm. particular way. Right. And just see what sticks to you. See what you gravitate towards. I, I, I just love that part of your story. So now you said corporate culture didn't work for you because school does. I get it. School is a great place. Then you go out and apply your learning to the corporate culture. What didn't work for you in corporate culture? To be honest, it was, I keep going back to this same moment. I had taken a bunch of finance classes. Like I said, I was a major in finance as well. And I still remember we would walk into class the first day and the prof would, the first question the prof would ask is, who here wants to be a CEO? And I never raised my hand. It just never um, appealed to me. And I thought, maybe this will change. Like the more I, I work in the, in this industry, the more I'm around these people, maybe it'll change. And even as I did internships, one of my internships was an internal audit. And as an internal auditor, you work very closely with a lot of the other departments. Um, an auditor, if nobody knows, basically you, you check the work of others. And yeah. so as an internal auditor, I'm checking the work of other departments. And so I talked to a lot of VPs and managers and supervisors and something about just sitting there and, you know, I would look at them and I'd be like, I don't even really want to be you. I, and this sound, I don't know if that sounds rude, <laughs> but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't even feel the drive to strive to become in your position. I just felt like, because I cared so much about, social injustices and stuff like that, that there was more that I could do with my life and have a greater impact on those things than yes. sitting in an office, counting, crunching numbers for well, who at the end of the day, you and, know? And what a difference. I come back to this in school, you're crunching numbers and the discussion ensues and you take off, right? It's all creative and interesting. Then you're just crunching numbers here and they're being passed on to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then they have to deal with it. Everything becomes compartmentalized once you get out into the world. And there are some companies that don't do that, right? They're not top down. They're, they're much more like cross-functional. So they work, they try to work together. But in the end, if you have a huge organization and it's corporate, it's, it's, it's often very car compartmentalized so that things get done. Otherwise, how do yeah. you get things done? Yeah. So, and it's, system, it might sound, yeah. Yeah. And it's might sound crazy to maybe, some of my business friends, but those four internships I had, I felt like I did everything I needed to do in the corporate world. I felt like I got all the experiences I needed. I felt yes. like I accomplished what I needed because I didn't care to move up and I didn't, I didn't care to just be a manager or even a VP of, of, of yes. a yes. department, you know, like I, it sounds crazy, but I feel like in those four internships, I accomplished everything that I wanted it's to do. It's not crazy. You were stepping out and experimenting and prototyping your life to see what sticks to you. 
and a mm-hmm. lot of things didn't stick and some did. Hey, uh, Akira, Zoe, any thoughts for Jamie? Earlier you were saying that if Disney were to call you back or Disney on Ice to call you back again to, like, to go work for them, like you'd have to consider like what you're willing to like leave right now. But if they were to call you like tomorrow, do you think that you would? Truthfully, um, I don't think so. You could be a star. Um, yeah, be a but star again. it is true. And I, and I did really <laughs> enjoy it. But with teacher ed, you have to do the two years consecutively. It would, there's all these like practicum things that I have to reconsider and fix all that. So it's just, there's just a lot. And I think that I, again, the plan to be with Disney on Ice was just a few years and then I would get back home and start my career. Um, It was supposed to be time for me to A, travel, B, figure out who and what I wanted to do with my life. Um, To consider it right now, like, there's just a lot that I want to accomplish first. Maybe if it was like I was done my teacher ed, maybe in a year's time and there's, I'm again finding that job or it's a good time to maybe take a year and go do it again. That's maybe something to think about, but just right now I'm in the middle of school and, and yes. I yes. want to complete it. Hey, Akira, any thoughts? Yeah. Um, when you mentioned like, I guess how you kind of want to change the way people look at math. I like I really I kind of like I really get with that because I kind of have a love-hate relationship with math. I took applied and I liked applied because I thought it was useful because it's kind of the middle ground math between essentials, which is like your everyday use math, as well as like pre-cal, which is kind of a little bit more like advanced math. So I, I enjoyed taking applied, but I, I realized like I'm not like bashing anyone, but like I, I feel like it takes a certain kind of like teacher to kind of sh- develop that idea in someone's head or their student's head that math or, isn't just about like, if yeah. I can do this or not, not you or know? to make you love it, Akira. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like certain teachers, did you have teachers that made you love math, Jamie? Um, or did it just come naturally to you and you just get out of my way? I got it. I'm doing this. Yeah. I think it came very naturally to me. Okay. Um, my my parent both of my parents are very very strong in math and and this <laughs> probably sounds silly but we would do I found it fun on road trips we would have this little like um, little whiteboard and we would do math questions on the road trips and they would give me harder ones so I'd have to sit there and try to solve it. Um, okay, I don't think crazy. that's everybody's. That's crazy. That's, that's everybody's not, that's road not trip my experience. Fun, but <laughs> I'm I'm fighting my brother in the back seat. And you're doing math problems. <laughs> that's um, spectacular. But, I love that. Yeah, so, and I I totally agree with you. I also think that it's also the society's perspective of math. Like, when I say I want it to, I want math to be about problem solving, to be about understanding concepts, I think this goes back all the way to kindergarten, all the way to grade one. The idea that if a, a student or a kid can't pick up math immediately, we're already dumping them in buckets of, oh, you're smart because you can do math, or you're not smart because you can't do math. But I think if we automatically do that at grade one, at grade two, we've already dumped them into buckets, but there's so much more to life than just understanding a number. And math should be more than just a right or wrong answer, right? I love it. You're going to change the world. I think something's (laughs) going to happen to change the world. Now, we're getting a little long here. I'm sure the student producers are going, shut it down. But I told you we had a doozy here, and this is an awesome. We have to keep this conversation. Last thing for you, Jamie. If you were, you've been out of it. 
you've got a degree, you're working on another, and you're still in education, you value education. So your way out of finding your way is getting education. I love that. It's important, along with all the experiences you've garnered. What advice would you give to a grade 11 kid? Think back to when you were in grade 11. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to a grade 11 or 12 kid thinking of what should I do after high school? My advice would be, I think it is more important to figure out who you want to be than what you want to be. I think that we put so much pressure on on figuring out what career you're going to do. And, and from the time you're a little kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, but I think it's so much more important to figure out who you want to be as a person. And I, and, I, and I don't think that's just at grade 11. I think this is an ongoing question we have to keep yes. asking ourselves as oh. we keep growing. I agree. I still I I still wonder about possibilities in my life. I'm a little older than you. And Akira and Zoe, you're going to wonder about that all your life. And that's honestly, I think that's the best way to live your life. Keep it fresh. Keep it exciting. Keep the possibilities. Keep trying things that are unique. And I love all your experiences. And I love how your philosophy has, has morphed based on your increasing sense of who you are. That's powerful. So, JB, we've been going on a bit, but this has been a doozy. I told everyone it's great. And we're going to have to end this. I so appreciate you coming with us today. Uh, and Akira and Zoe, appreciate you running this thing again and keeping things on track. They're going to take care of this and get it out onto some of the platforms shortly. So I thank you, Jamie. Any last parting comments? Just thank you so much for having me. This was very fun. Um, oh, it was so much fun. Yeah. Okay, so that's it, everybody. That's another edition of Adventures in Careerland. We'll see you next time. Take care. Be safe. Bye-bye.